Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It also changes everybody else on the roster, not just Godwin, not just Evans, but now Levante David becomes a household name. Now Devin White gets his moment in the sun. Now Byron Lefwich, an offensive coordinator, has all eyes on him where he suddenly becomes a head coaching candidate if the Buccaneers do well. It, 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 look, it just rises everybody up, and it puts them in a different conversation. The Buccaneers played one primetime hmm. game last season, one. And it was on week two against the Carolina Panthers. And you guys don't remember it because it was early in the season. There was a rain delay. It was a, it was a forgettable game against Cam and Jamin. Now they're on five different times in primetime. They're the biggest premier game on Sunday afternoon, week one. When they start things off in New Orleans, they are a household nationwide team right now. For better or for worse, we will know Chris Godwin. We will know Mike Evans. We might know 20 guys on that team because we are going to be force-fed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's what Tom Brady does. He's (laughs) going to be in your television set every single week. You bet. It's not just on the games. We're starting our show 7 a.m. in the middle of May talking Tom Brady, and it's going to be like that all season long. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 114. The NFL schedule was released not too long ago. We're going to talk about that today. Go over some of the latest and greatest Buck news. What people are talking about in the media regarding Tom Brady and his adjustment period in Tampa Bay. Plus much more. We've got a great show lined up for you. I am your host, as always, Rhett mustache matthew joined alongside me as always my good buddy and co-host the philly bucks fan himself mr evan wanish and we have a very special guest on the show today joining us for the first time ever it seems like we've had just about everybody from pewter report on the show except for this guy so here he is making his debut mr matt matera a beat writer for pewter report and of course a producer of the pewter nation podcast as well you can listen to him there how's everybody doing today I'm doing great. Saving the best for last. So thank you guys for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely. Had a good time talking to you at the Shrine game earlier this year. And it just kind of put the seed in my head that we definitely need to have you on sometime to talk some Buccaneer football. And what better time than right now? Because everybody has all this free time on their hands. So, of course, here we are. Evan, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm uh, doing pretty good. How are you? I am doing good. I'm actually really excited for the show today. Not because we have a ton to talk about but I, I just I don't know like I, I miss doing the podcast once a week twice a week you know when we had regular news rolling in and especially now that I'm just not really working I've, I've got all this time on my hands all I think about is sitting here doing the show so I'm excited to actually be here doing the show and I'm excited for a lot of what we have to talk about today so let's just jump right into it the NFL schedule came out. The Buccaneers got a schedule that, uh, frankly, we haven't seen for the Bucs in quite some time. They got five primetime games, the max that you can get on a schedule. So other than the five primetime games, I'll ask you, Matt, first, does anything stick out to you on this schedule? Like, did you look at it and, you know, like I said, aside from the five primetime games, uh, was there anything that just really was interesting to you? Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. I mean, right off the bat, first game for Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski as Tampa Bay Buccaneers of the season going to New Orleans to begin the year. I mean, it really doesn't get that much tougher than going up against Drew Brees. And this rivalry has kind of been ratcheted up a little bit with, you know, the Bucks being kind of the number one contender to take the Saints crown. And now Jameis Winston is the backup quarterback for the Saints. So that was really the first thing that kind of stuck out to me. The other thing, it's not necessarily an opponent, but the bye week is very late for the Bucs. It's week 13. I believe that's the first week of December. So uh, the Bucs are a fairly young team outside of guys like, uh, you know, Tom Brady. 
But uh, I'm wondering how much of that wear and tear, given all the uh, different times and the different primetime games, how much that will really affect the Bucks in later games in the season right before they get to that bye. Yeah. What do you think, Evan? What jumps out to you on the schedule? Yeah, I was going to say uh, the bye week. I believe uh, the Bucks and Panthers are the only two teams in the NFL with a week 13 bye week. And uh, in the past, it used to actually be, I believe, week 12 was the last week you could have a bye week. So that's actually changed uh, this year. And it is a very late bye week, which could be good and could be bad. You know, it could be good because maybe that propels them to a playoff push. You know, them last four or five games there, uh, they get a little rest there before the playoffs. But it also could be bad because, I mean, by week 13, a lot of these guys' bodies are just going to be wore down. And, and hopefully that doesn't result in losing some games that you really shouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. When I look at the schedule as a whole, I mean, it doesn't have us playing on the road six weeks in a row. It doesn't have no bye week at all. It is a late bye week, and you kind of brought up the cautious side of that, which could go either way. Um, I I think there's two ways of looking at it. Like, the perspective that I've heard the most from people who want to spin this into a positive thing is that it it kind of gives them a little bit of a rest before that final four-game push towards the playoff if they're in that kind of position. And I don't want to say they have four easy games coming out of that stretch because you look at Minnesota – I think out of those four final games, that'll be the biggest challenge. But after Minnesota, they've got Atlanta, Detroit, and then Atlanta again. I don't know how confident people feel about us playing Atlanta, but I don't know. I think it's a nice little four-game stretch if we are in playoff contention by that point. Let me run through the schedule really quick. We're not going to break it down game by game, but I wanted to get your guys' games that you might be looking forward to this year, anything that you want to see in particular. So here we go. Week one, we had brought up that they are on the road against the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome. That is Sunday, September 13th, 425 p.m. And the last time the Buccaneers opened up in New Orleans, they gave us probably one of the most exciting games I've ever watched in my lifetime. So uh, I'm looking forward to what can happen there in week one. Week two, they play the Carolina Panthers, open up things at home. That's a 1 o'clock game. Week three, they travel to Denver, taking on the Broncos. That is a 425 game. Week four, it is the L.A. Chargers. They are playing them in Raymond James October 4th. That's a 1 p.m. game. After that, they are on the road to the Chicago Bears, and I believe that is a primetime game, if I'm not mistaken. That's a Thursday night game? Yep, Thursday night football. Looking forward to that one. After that, they are back home against the Green Bay Packers. And this is a game that I I think this is my most anticipated game on the schedule. Uh, when I saw that we were going to be playing the Packers this year, I was really, really hoping that it would be under the lights. And I mean, I guess part of it still can be because it is a 425 kickoff. But I just, I wanted Monday Night Football under the lights, Packers, Bucks, like the old NFC Central late 90s days. You know, there's just nothing more nostalgic for me than that. And I never even went to those games, so I don't know why I'm nostalgic about it. (laughs) But I'm really looking forward to that game. After they play the Packers at home, they head out west to play the Raiders in Las Vegas. That is Sunday Night Football, 8.20 p.m. It's the first of three straight primetime games. Yes, it is, actually. After that, they got the New York Giants. That is a Monday night game that is in New York. That is November 2nd. And then the third straight primetime game, they are playing New Orleans once again, Week 9 in Raymond James Stadium on Sunday Night Football. That'll be a good matchup. Following the Saints, they go to the Carolina Panthers Sunday, November 15th. That's a 1 o'clock game. After that, they've got two straight home games before the bye week. The first of those two is the L.A. Rams. That's a Monday night football game. And then after that, they have got the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, November 29th at 425 p.m. Do you think there's a possibility that game gets flexed? I know that was a hot topic when people saw that it was a 4 o'clock game. What do you think? I mean, it certainly has a possibility. It's two high-profile quarterbacks, arguably two of the best in the league right now is late enough in the season where it, it definitely could get flex. I mean, the Bucks already have five primetime games, but I know last year, uh, I know, I believe it was the Packers and the Steelers played six. So there's definitely that possibility. I don't know about because week 12, you still got a couple more. You would have to see who else is playing that week is really what it comes down to. Right. Uh, I was almost surprised, though, that this game wasn't prime time to begin with i mean brady mahomes everyone loved that afc championship game from two years ago but i guess too i mean you can look later down at the schedule and even two weeks later 
Bucks Vikings could potentially be a game that gets flexed to Sunday night football because that could be two teams where they're fighting to win their own division, let alone fight for one of the wild card spots. So I think there's a lot of room for, for another game to get flexed. I mean, who knows? The Falcons ended up with the same uh, the same record as the Bucks did a season ago. So I could see a scenario where the Falcons are either like egregiously bad or surprisingly really good, and they could be contending for a wild card spot. So there's a lot of room late in the schedule to see uh, to see another Bucks game get flexed to Sunday night. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people would look forward to see Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, as you brought up, two of probably the best in the league right now. A matchup I'm sure plenty of people nationwide will want to see. So after that game, we go into week 13, the bye week that we had just covered. And then that last four-game stretch, they play the Vikings at home. That's a 1 o'clock game. And then they are on the road two weeks in a row. They play the Falcons. They play the Lions on a date that is yet to be determined, but it's either going to be December 26th or the 27th. And then to wrap up the season, they finish it in Raymond James against Atlanta for what, like the fourth, third year in a row? I think it's the third, yeah. Seems like it. Yeah, hopefully they don't blow this one, just like they always seem to do at the end of the season. But of course, I am talking about this way too early. So we went over the (laughs) schedule, and I wanted to ask you guys, what are some games in particular that you've really got your eye on? I talked about the Green Bay game I'm looking forward to. I think it will be very competitive. I hope Aaron Rodgers shows up to play. But what are you guys looking forward to on this schedule? Evan, uh, you go ahead and go first. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that that Oakland game. Uh, it's, it's on uh, Oakland, Vegas. Sorry, uh, <laughs> it, it's under it's under the lights. It, it it's in Vegas. Um, of course, John Gruden's you know he's coaching his old team with his team that he got traded from. It's you know it's the only two teams that he's been the head coach of, and you know, this is going to be the first time that he's playing the Bucks since he returned to the NFL. Uh, of course, you know there was rumors of him coming back to coach the Bucks, uh, and that obviously didn't happen. So this is the first time he's going to be able to play um, the team he won the Super Bowl with. Uh, you know, the last time he's going to be on the same field with them, but until he was, you know, fired in 2008, I believe. So, you know, that's Sunday Night Football. I think the Raiders will be a decent team. I, I think, you know, I don't think they'll be horrible. So I think it should make for a pretty solid game. So I would say, you know, that's the one I'm really looking forward to the most. So I, I'm going to cheat a little bit here because I think there's portions of the schedule that are so intriguing for a number of different reasons. So I'm not going to I'm going to cheat a little and not technically take a specific game, but I'll tell you what I find interesting about the front half of the schedule. I mean, outside of New Orleans week 1, from weeks 2 to 5, that's going to be so interesting to me because these are winnable games for the Bucks and that part of the schedule is going to be really important because all right, listen. We all know what this offense can look like with Tom Brady throwing to Mike Evans and throwing to Chris Godwin and reuniting with with Rob Gronkowski. We know what it could look like, and it could be a great offense. But the reality is it's that's not going to happen right away, especially with training camp up in the air for we don't know when it's going to happen. So weeks two through five are both winnable games, but they're very important for particularly the Bucks' offense, to really kind of find its bearings, get their legs under them, and really figure out how they're going to work and gel together and really find that chemistry. So I find that uh, very important for the Buccaneers in the beginning of the schedule. Then you go uh, weeks seven and eight at the Raiders and then at the Giants. You're going all the way from the West Coast, then all the way to the East Coast, on uh, on a Monday, so then you have a shorter week going up against the Saints for that third Monday uh, for that third primetime game in a row. So that's a bit of the travel schedule that uh, really is interesting that comes into play. And then from uh, week nine to pretty much week twelve, those are some heavy hitting matchups right there. Primetime against the Saints, the Panthers, yeah, not not the toughest game, but it's a divisional game. And then the Rams and the Chiefs. I mean, that's. That's as difficult as it really gets on the schedule. So, again, I, I know I kind of took liberties there, but there's so many different parts of this schedule that are interesting in their own way. No, I, I think the more angles you can look at it, the better. So those are some excellent points you had brought up. And you brought up that first stretch of games between weeks two and five. You kind of briefly mentioned uh, this team kind of getting ahead of steam, kind of gelling, you know, Tom Brady figuring out the offense, hopefully coming into 
what we hope they can be uh, by that time of the yeah. season. But that leads me to my follow-up question, actually. A uh, little earlier this week, Eli Manning and Shannon Sharp, they're both predicting a bumpy start for Brady and the Bucks, quote-unquote. Uh, you know me, Evan. You call me the eternal optimist all the time, and I will wear that badge with pride. But I'm just going to throw it out there. It, it wouldn't shock me if we have to see some sort of adjustment period for Brady throughout the first half of the year. I mean, you look at all the factors going into it, different terminology, different lingo that he just didn't have in New England where he was for 20 freaking years. So I'm not saying it's going to be a disaster, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it of what that transition period might look like and how long you think it'll last. Because I just... I. I you know, it's great that we got Tom Brady. I'm so excited. I'm on the train. I'm a believer, but I have a very hard time believing that this team is going to be exactly where they want to be through weeks one through four. Like, how long do you think that adjustment period will take if you think there is one at all? I mean, I think it could take, um, I don't know, but <clears throat> see, the the thing is, just like Matt said earlier, starting week one in New Orleans, that's... That's not a recipe for success. Um, hey, New Orleans is, is never a team that plays to their top potential the first two weeks of the season. It seems like they always let one of those games go that they shouldn't. So who knows? We could sneak one up on them. Oh, Sloppy I, I football. Mean, I, I definitely I definitely think that they could. It's just for an offense, especially if there's fans allowed to the stadiums, for an offense that's still trying to gel, that New Orleans crowd is going to be difficult, and it's going to be very difficult. Um, and then just like Matt said, you got an important stretch there of weeks two to five where you, know, you play some okay teams. Um, you play the Panthers, who, you know, it is a divisional game, but I don't think they'll be that great. Uh, the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Bears, you know, all those games – yeah, yeah, I do think there's an adjustment period there, and I think it'll probably take the first five weeks or so. Um, I think by week six, week seven, they should have their their bearings. But I mean, you just don't know because you know, is there going to be a training camp? Is there going to be a preseason? Uh, you just, you don't know at this point, and those things are pivotal, especially for this type of situation. Um, you know, quarterback's the most important position, and. Just like you said, he was in the same system for 20 years. I know he's a smart guy. He'll be able to pick it up. But, you know, chemistry with the receivers, you know, that's a bit, that's a big deal as well. So I think, you know, and also if the Bucks want to contend this year for a playoff spot, weeks two through five, they're going to need to win most of those games. Um, they, they are. They're, you know, it doesn't matter if the offense is still getting you know, rolling or not. They're going to have to win um, probably at least three or four of those games to be, you know, serious playoff contenders. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, I think the first five weeks or so will be the real feeling out period. Yeah, I think it's going to take uh, after week three, because starting that week four game, it's in October. And people normally say that. The month of September is kind of the worst month for football because team, mm. teams are real, really starting to you know figure out the kinks and everything like that. So the calendar changes. You get to October. And in the meantime, I think these first couple of games, they're going to be won by the defense because you look at Carolina and they're in a transition. They got a new coach with Matt Rule. They're kind of in a, in a similar boat in terms of trying to get chemistry with Teddy Bridgewater and, and the new receivers. Uh, Denver, I mean, Drew Locke, he had a good run last year, but for the most part, he's still an unproven quarterback in this league. And then you go to week four. I was about to say San Diego, but it's Los Angeles. <laughs> who knows who's going to be the quarterback? It could be Tyrod Taylor. It, it could be Justin Herbert, who they just drafted from, from Oregon. So I think the defense is really going to start uh, really get the Bucks those wins to, to begin the season. But I guess to, to further answer your question, yeah, it's going to take some time just because Brady, at least, sorry, let, let me uh, let me backtrack. Bruce Arians said in one of his press conferences lately that it, it, it's more going to be Tom Brady learning the Bucks' offense, let alone instead of Bruce Arians making this whole offense that's that's catered to Tom Brady. Because you're asking one guy to learn a playbook versus 52 other guys to learn a playbook just for one guy. With that said... I mean, no one in the NFL works harder than Tom Brady. I mean, he's still playing at a high level at his age. So if anyone's going to be ahead of the curve and kind of understand the playbook, figure things out, it's going to be Tom Brady. And that's why I think the transition to 
hitting their stride won't take as long as maybe it would for a, a rookie quarterback or you know a, a, an average run-of-the-mill quarterback. So I say around after week three is when you really start seeing the Bucks offense pick it up, and then they are the reasons why they're winning some games later on in the season. Okay. Yeah, and you know, Matt, um, that week five game against the Bears, the Bears have a tough defense that might be tough for the Bucks offense. It's in Chicago, but just like you said with the Bucks defense, you don't know who the Bears QB is going to be either. Uh, yeah, Mitch exactly. That, yeah, that's Nick another Cole, perfect so, example right there. Uh, you, you, you just don't Sorry. know. So uh, the defense is definitely going to, just like you said, I, I think is going to have to win them some games. Uh, it's nice to have Denver, I think, earlier in the year. doesn't really give Drew Locke in the offense. You know, they got Jerry Judy, mm-hmm. um, K.J. Hamler. It's two rookie wide receivers. doesn't really give them much time to gel. So I think that that's a positive that you got Denver early in the year as well. So let me take that same question about the offense and that adjustment period we talked about and flip it over to the other side of the ball with this defense where do you expect them to pick up week one? Because I I feel more confident in the defensive line. I'm really glad they were able to keep those front seven together. That was, you know, one of their main priorities. I think top of the list going into the offseason, they were able to make that happen. So I have to believe that maybe Shaq Barrett will slow down. Teams have more film on him to look at. Um, They might even be going back and looking at Denver stuff. But teams are studying him more. Where do you expect this defense to be, and is there an adjustment period for them? Because, like I said, I'm confident in the defensive line, but it's really up to the secondary. Because we saw last year, it took those guys a little over half the season to really figure out what they were doing back there. Uh, So can we expect them to pick up where they left off, or what's the adjustment period like there, Matt? Yeah, I agree with everything you just said about the secondary, and I'll comment on that in a second. But I I think the, the defensive line really won't miss a beat. I mean, this defense, the advantage they do have is they're coming into year two with Todd Bowles' defense. And we we know that Todd Bowles likes to scheme up a lot of different things, and it's very confusing for other offenses. So the fact that the defense already has this under their belt, and they mostly have everyone back, there's not going to be as much of a learning process. So I think they'll be able to dial up some things at the beginning of the year that it'll take other teams time to see it on film before they can kind of really learn how to counteract it. Shaq Barrett's numbers might drop a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be because of a lack of effort or anything like that. Yeah. You got to remember Jason Pierre Paul is back and he's back for 16 games and Jason Pierre Paul is competitive as hell. He's a very good teammate, but he's competitive as hell, and he wants to be the number one pass rusher on that team. So I think all season long, there's going to be a great competition between JPP and Shaq Barrett for who's going to lead the Bucks in sacks. And yeah, teams can game plan for Shaq Barrett, but they also got to worry about JPP. So one of them is not going to get double teamed because you can only keep so many guys in blocking. Yeah. Now, to go to the secondary... There are questions at safety. I mean, we don't know if Justin Evans is going to be back. Jason Light said that he should be ready for training camp, but I don't know necessarily how true that is. Uh, They drafted Winfield, obviously, so there will be some good competition back there, and that's that's the group that they really need to upgrade the most in the draft, at least on, on the defensive side of the ball, and they took care of that. The corners, I think, are... Probably one of the most interesting storylines for the Bucs going into training camp and going to this season. And, and we've talked about it a lot. Everyone has. They struggled in the beginning of the year, but they really turned it on late uh, towards the end of the season. And that's the big question with these corners. Can they continue improving and progressing for the 2020 season? I mean, Carlton Davis is going into his third year. You got Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting going into their second year. That's the key to the defense right there. If their secondary plays like they did in the latter half of the 2019 season, they're going to be great for 2020. And you saw someone like Carlton Davis. Remember that game he had against the Texans? He pretty much shut down DeAndre Hopkins, who is a top three receiver in the NFL. You can argue that he's number one. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to argue against you with that. I mean, if... That, that's just the potential that Carlton Davis has. You saw Sean Murphy Bunting have a, a clutch pick six in Detroit, pretty much his, his home stadium because he's from Michigan. And you saw Jamel Dean make some big plays at the end of the year. I, I believe against the Cardinals, he, he, had a, he had a really important play as well. So if this cornerback group can continue what they were doing 
the Bucks defense, I don't want to say will be golden, but I mean, there's a lot of optimism there. But at times, you see players in their second year. They people talk about the rookie wall, but there's also a sophomore slump. So that's really going to be something that you got to keep an eye on. But there's yeah. a ton of optimism to have about the Bucks defense. What are you thinking, Evan? Yeah, I, I just wanted to, to comment on what Matt said um, about Carlton Davis being in his third year. You know, it's interesting to see how Davis plays this year because I think with corners and with receivers, a lot of the times, and really every player, I think a lot of times their third year is when you know if they're going to be a good player, that's when they that's when they shine. Carlton Davis has already had two years under his belt. He's the most experienced corner, um, starting corner that they have. So it's going to be very interesting to see, does Carlton Davis take another leap? I think he had a, a solid year last year. Can he take that other leap? Because if he can and he can become their solid number one corner, maybe not shut down. I, I wouldn't expect him to be a shutdown guy, even though, like you said, he did, I mean, shut down DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but if he can be their number one corner, I, I would trust Jamal Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting to be the two and three just fine um i think the sky's the limit for a guy like bunting right there in the slot i think it's a perfect spot for him i, I think they've really found um found found their their guys there after you know shuffling Vernon hargraves and ryan smith and mj stewart and yes smith and stewart are still on the roster but they just haven't shown enough to play cornerback as a, a starter for the uh buck so um It'll be interesting to see. I'm going to keep a close eye on Carlton Davis this season. Yeah. You had brought up MJ Stewart, and before we moved on, I wanted to kind of bring up the odd man out of that cornerback room, which is MJ Stewart. Uh, I think a lot of people expected a little bit more of him last year. I mean, he's in a room with a bunch of talented guys. You saw Jamel Dean have a good season, Sean Murphy bunting, and of course Carlton Davis we just talked about. Uh, but what is your opinion on MJ Stewart. Do you think we see him a little bit more in the defensive backfield next season? Is he going to be more of a player on special teams with Ryan Smith? Like, what do you expect for MJ Stewart in particular? Because a lot of question marks floating around that guy right now. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't know if you guys remember, but last year there was a big uh, press conference before the year to, uh, to make the announcement that Rondé Barber was going to be inducted into the Bucks Ring of Honor. And we all spoke with Rondé Barber after, and he said that of the Bucks corners at the time, MJ Stewart was the player that most reminded Rondé of himself, which, I mean, that's a big statement right there from mm. the best, you know, the defensive back that the Bucks have had in their history. And a guy who had a terrible rookie year. <laughs> yeah. The, the problem with with MJ Stewart is that he's not as quick as the other as the other corners are. So that's why they, they had tried to move him to safety for a little bit. Uh, MJ is mostly going to be competing for, you know, one of those death spots at, at corner. And he's mostly going to be playing special teams. Uh, I like MJ. He's a good guy. Uh, there's going to be. There's going to be decent competition, though. There's an undrafted free agent that the Bucks have. He's from Oklahoma. His name is Parnell Motley, and uh, John Ledyard has wrote about him. He thinks that he's got a he's got a decent chance to make the team, and uh, it's going to be good competition there between Stewart and uh, Motley from Oklahoma. And if there's any team that's going to bring a uh, an undrafted free agent onto the 53-man roster, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, they've done it time and time again with. DeMar Dotson and Adam Humphreys and obviously Cam Brait. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised either way if MJ either makes a team or uh, get, gets cut from the team. But it's definitely going to be some competition that's going to be worth, uh, you know, taking a look at as whenever training camp starts. Absolutely. Evan, I know you had brought up Parnell Motley on our draft recap show. You're really high on that guy. He brings a lot to the table. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a big uh, fan of him. I was, I was surprised he wasn't drafted, and uh, yeah, for the Bucks to be able to sign him as an undrafted free agent, I thought was pretty big. And you know, just like Matt said, I think he'll be primarily primarily, excuse me, competing uh, for that cornerback four or, or five spot with MJ Stewart. Um, I think Ryan Smith pretty much has a spot on the roster locked down just because he's a, such a good special teams guy. Yeah. Um, he's a special teams wizard. I didn't mean to yeah. cut you off, but I mean, <laughs> no, how many I'm, times I mean, last right. year did he, did he catch the punt and, and down it on the one yard line? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of incredible what he was able to do. Yeah. That's and I'm not sure what was it. Was it this season that he was suspended for the first four games? 
Yes. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and if you notice the the special teams coverage was not as good. It, it, he came back and it got better. So I think that's that's how important that guy is to the special teams unit. And just like you said, I think MJ is gonna have to do well on special teams and make some sort of difference there to be able to really stand out. Because I think Motley has a lot of potential. Um, now the the thing that MJ has is he was a second round pick to. Uh, three years ago at this point he was he was picked before carlton davis yeah yeah i i I remember that i remember uh i liked davis more and when they picked uh mj stewart i was like "Eh, okay um i think it was like what five or six picks later they picked carlton davis yeah they were they were they were close to each other yeah um so i mean and early on if you remember mj stewart's rookie season he really was was shining in training camp and just it didn't translate to the nfl mostly because of like matt said he's just not quick enough really and i think in the chicago game week four that slaughter um i think that's when uh that's when he really got exposed so it's a big training camp coming up for mj and uh like i guess i hope he can make the team uh, i'm not sure if the bucks will carry six corners um i i don't know if that's a real possibility but um you know, I think they would lo- they would like to see him perform, especially Jason Light, because you know Jason Light put a second round pick into that guy. He'd like to see him stay on the team for as long as possible. Yeah. Now, it's the middle of May. I wanted to move on to this next one. It, it, it's a pretty loaded question, but um, expectations for the Bucks are very very high. You know, the schedule came out. We know the order of the games they're going to play. We know the bye week, this and that. Everybody can say what they want, and a lot of what I have seen to people reacting about this schedule is, all right, we're going to win 12, 13, 14 games maybe. And I don't know about you guys, but for me as a Bucks fan, even though we have Tom Brady, we have the pieces that we do, and I think this team is in a good position to make a deep playoff run, it's still just a weird feeling in the pit of my stomach saying that the Bucks are going to win 10-plus games this year. Because for the almost five years that we've been doing this podcast, they have never won more than nine games in a season. So... With that being said, I wanted to ask you, in your opinion, is this team ready to make a run with the pieces they have? I really don't know how much more time they have to bring in some more people. I don't know if they have the cap space available. I see different numbers being thrown up everywhere. Maybe if they wanted to make a last-minute signing. But overall, the Bucks seem like they're pretty comfortable at most positions, uh, do you think they are good enough to make a run this year? And if they aren't, what would you change? Uh, with the time we have left in the offseason, what signings would you make? Um, you know, what adjustments would you make for this team to be where you think they are? But, Matt, I'll go to you first. Do you think this team is ready to make a run? I think they're absolutely capable of making a run with the weapons that they have on both offense and defense. I mean, they have some star-studded players with, as I mentioned before, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Shaq Barrett and, and Levante David and, and Devin White, they have some real star-studded players. So they definitely have the capability to do so. I do think that because it is going to take some time to really get chemistry with each other, I like I I have my prediction as 10 and 6 for the, for the Bucks this year, and it's kind of what you were saying, Rhett, with, I mean, we haven't seen this team make the playoffs in over a decade, have winning seasons. So I think we have to pump the brakes just a little bit with these 13-3 and talks. I mean, even some of the best teams in the NFL don't win eight or nine games in a row. So I just, you know, the game is a series of peaks and valleys. So I just, I think there's going to be a slip up here and there. It's just natural. It just happens in the game of football. In terms of what I would, uh, what I kind of still want to see on this team, Depth, obviously, is, I think, the first thing. And you can look at a couple positions for that. I mean, outside linebacker, outside of Shaq and JPP. Uh, I mean, you got, um, you got, sorry, I blanked on his name for a second. You got, you got Anthony Nelson from yeah. Iowa. I mean, he's pretty much unproven because he was hurt a lot last year. Yeah. So it's going to be a big season for him. Can he take that role that Carl Nassib played so well last season? Because, I mean, one injury and Anthony Nelson is the next guy up. I would love to see a little more depth on the offensive line. That's probably the position I would try to shore up the most because, as I just said, this offense has everything. So if you want to be as sure as possible, as confident as you could possibly be, you don't want to have any hiccups on the offensive line. And I think most people would agree, like, yeah, 
they got some things to figure out with Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn, how, how they're going to do that. Can Ronald Jones kind of improve in pass blocking and overall just being a receiving running back? But the offensive line, you want to make sure Tom Brady is standing upright. You want to make sure he's got the best protection possible. So I think it'd be important to kind of add depth there or even kind of maybe give some competition to to some of the starters there, you know. Uh, like Alex Kappa could be someone I'm not saying that he shouldn't be the starter, but maybe kind of put his feet to the fire a little bit and kind of ignite something for him to really push to become the best starter he can be. So really offensive line, I guess, would be something that I, I would change. I think Alex Kappa showed a lot of improvement last year. Definitely took a major step. Uh, if he proved anything, he proved he's tough as hell because he broke his arm in the Rams Agreed. game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I feel good with him at right guard. I do think a little bit of competition would be healthy, kind of help him just play it the best he knows he can be. But, um, yeah. you know, I do feel good about the offensive line. I think some depth would do well. Uh, Evan, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I just, the, the predictions of all these 13 and three stuff. So when, when somebody's predicting 13 and three, I'm assuming they're predicting the losses to be once to new Orleans, Green Bay and like Kansas City, I, I guess. Um, in which case, it would, I mean, that would you're going five and one in the division. That's hard to do. Um, that that's very difficult to do. Uh, you got some tough road games. Uh, Chicago is not an easy place to play. Denver is definitely not an easy place to play. Uh, so I mean, you got those two games that could be trap games. Vegas, they could be improved. Uh, you know, uh, the Giants. I I don't know how improved they are, but it still is a road game, and you know maybe. Uh, the Bucks see Daniel Jones again and and get haunted again. Uh, who knows? Um, but um, yeah, I just think thirteen and three is just when when this team went you know seven and nine to thirteen and three is such a big jump. Yeah, and I'm not saying that they can't do it because we've seen it before in the NFL. You know, the teams go from you know. Like the 49ers. I mean, the 49ers, yeah, they had the number that's two what pick. I was thinking of, actually. Yeah, and now they're playing, they're playing the Super Bowl. I mean, that's just unreal. Um, I do know that, obviously, their starting quarterback went down, and they didn't have him for most of the season when they had the number two pick. But, I mean, still, still counts. Um, so I, I don't think it's impossible that they can do it. I just don't see that as realistic. Um, one unit that I would probably shore up is outside linebacker. Uh, I have said that, I, you know, outside of – Barrett and, and, and JPP is not really sure where the pass rush is coming from. Like Matt said earlier, I don't know if you can expect Shaq Barrett to get 19 or 19 and a half sacks again. I just don't think that's realistic to expect that of him every se every season. Um, it is nice, going to be nice to have JPP for a full season. But, I mean, let's say, you know, Barrett gets a nice number, 14 or so. Um, and let's say JPP gets around 10. And Carl Nassib is gone, had about, what, five and a half, six sacks last year. Mm -hmm. You know, I just don't know if Anthony Nelson can pick that up right away, especially with him being injured. So maybe look for a guy like like Clay Matthews or uh, Terrell Suggs or bring back a guy like Sam Acho, uh, who was on the team last year. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, I know they're really tight on cap right now, but, I mean, you can find money in, in a lot of different ways. So the cap is a myth. If, if it, <laughs> it, it, I think, yeah, a lot of teams have proven that it could be a myth. Um, you know, if they really wanted to sign Clay Matthews and he's asking for, you know, $500,000 more than, than they can spend, they'll find some money, some way to, to get that done. But um, I'm not sure if it happens, but if, if I were running things, um, I would probably look to, to shore that up and just build depth. You know, the, the playoff teams, I think we can all agree, the playoff teams – Normally, if you look at their rosters, there's depth all around. And uh, right now, there's just like, I mean, offensive line is another one. There, there's a lot of um, depth questions on this team, which uh, might, you know, really hurt them in, in a long playoff run. Yeah. You know, when it comes to these schedule predictions at this time of year, I always like to put an asterisk next to it. I just, I think it's way too early to sit here and go game by game, break down what you think is going to happen, because I like to wait for training camp battles to develop you kind of get a better idea of who's going to be on the field every single week with that being said we are still talking about the bucks and going back to the schedule it it really wouldn't surprise me if they drop a game this year that 
nobody expected them to lose. You know, it just oh. it seems like that always happens with Tampa Bay. Look at the Giants game last year. Um, not to say it wasn't a competitive game, but like I I didn't think we were going to lose that game the way that we uh, did. Especially so. with the way with the way they started the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were, they, they were you know they started that game fast and. Um, one thing I, I did want to ask Matt really fast. I know on uh, Pewter Report Roundtable they did you know, the Bucks' easiest game and Bucks' hardest game. What was your easiest game and hardest game for the Buccaneers? So the hardest game I had was the the opener at New Orleans. Uh, for pretty much everything we said that the, the offense isn't going to be ready yet. Uh, there's even more intense rivalry with with everything that went on this off season. And, uh, you know, that crowd is going to be even crazier because there's been no live sports <laughs> for a while. Now they get <laughs> to see their their team. The easiest game I had was week four against the Chargers. And again, it's kind of what I already mentioned, where I think this is where the Bucks offense really starts rolling and they put up a lot of points and the defense just kind of sinks their teeth in against either Tyrod, who's been on three different teams over the last four seasons or a rookie in Justin Herbert that is probably going to go up against the toughest defense that he's seen just from a scheme standpoint with Todd Bull. So I see that as the game where the Bucks just kind of they just click everywhere where they're putting up like 30 plus points and the defense is getting to the quarterback and they're they're getting turnovers. So I see that as as the real momentum switch for for the Bucks or three and one for their first prime time game the next week against the bears. So, uh, at new Orleans toughest and home against the chargers as the easiest. So, and one thing I wanted to bring up was like that game against the chargers. I think the chargers have a good amount of talent. I do think that, you know, it's not going to be a, uh, they're not going to be a playoff team, but I mean, you look at their defense, there's a lot of talent on that defense. So like even that game, I don't think any game is easy in the NFL, um, I could definitely see the Bucks losing that game, uh, possibly. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, I think, is a serviceable player. Um, and Justin Herbert, you just don't know. Uh, you know. Could it be his first career start? Maybe. I think it all depends on if the Chargers get off to a slow start or not. I think Tyrod's going to start out, though. Um, but, I mean, even that game, which you know you said you, you think was the easiest um, out of the, the schedule, which, I mean, may not imply that they're definitely winning, but they could definitely lose. Um, it wouldn't oh, surprise yeah, me. I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the Chargers' defense is good. And there's and I said this in, in the uh, roundtable, too, that there's no such thing as an easy win in, win in the NFL. You know, it, it could happen to anyone. But I think, too, because they kind of go up against some tough defenses in the beginning of the year, like the week before they go up against Denver, and you got to deal with Chubb and Von Miller. Mm. So that'll almost in a way, kind of help them prepare against another very difficult pass rush in that sense. Yep. All righty. So we are going to move on to this one final question I wanted to cover before we wrap up and get out of here. This one has to do with players in particular. And, uh, Evan, I wanted to ask you first, is there a guy that you are going to have your eyes on this season? Um, just – you know, a little more pressure than the next guy to take that next step, per se. For me, a guy that comes to mind is O.J. Howard. Uh, I think he really has to have a good season this year. He's not, we've said it plenty of times here on the show, I know a ton of people say it, he's not necessarily a bad player, just had a bad season, and I think with Tom Brady coming in and Gronkowski, I think he's in a good tight end room, he's got a good system around him, just got to kind of work to get his confidence back up, and I hope he can take that next step, because he is very athletic, but Evan... Uh, is there any guy that you're looking at in particular to just really get it together this year? Well, I mean, you know, if you're talking about just pressure on a guy, uh, OJ's the easy one, right? Yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> just because um, there was so, so many rumors of him being traded, and at one point I thought he was going to get traded. Um, they ended up keeping him, which you know I, I think was probably the right move. Um, but, I mean, if this year, if, if he is another year like he did last year, he won't be on the team next year. Um, so I'm going to go with probably a guy who, if he doesn't have a good year, he won't be on the team next year either, and that's Donovan Smith. I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, being the, the blindside blocker for the greatest quarterback ever, you have to be good or at least serviceable. And I do think that Smith is better than a lot of people give him credit for. He's not the worst tackle in the NFL like some fans think. Um, the Bucks could be much worse off at tackle uh, than, than Donovan Smith. Uh, but 
you know, if he has a poor year, I believe all of his guaranteed money from his deal is done after this season. So if they can cut him and save about $13, $14 million yeah, if they want to, slide Tristan Wirfs over to left tackle if they feel comfortable with that. And it's much easier to find a right tackle than it is to find a left. So I think Donovan Smith is the guy that I'm going to have a, a really close eye on. I'm really torn between two different situations here but i i guess i'll go with um and, and both of these situations it, it's it, this this player isn't going to get cut but they won't get a lot of playing time i guess i think it's going to be a really interesting battle for the third wide receiver between mm. scotty miller and uh, rookie dr- fifth round pick tyler johnson because scotty miller has the speed that bruce arians absolutely loves and you know, he's got the stature of receivers that Tom Brady is familiar with, such as Julian Edelman and Wes Welker. Mm-hmm. But Tyler Johnson, he's got the size and kind of more of the abilities that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin have in terms of one of the best traits of his game is going up and getting after the ball when it's at like its highest peak or as people like to say, uh, play above the rim. And Tyler Johnson is the type of guy that plays above the rim, much like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans does. So I think it's going to be a very, very interesting competition between those two guys. And Scotty is another guy that got hampered because he had a, a hamstring injury for a lot of last season. So we haven't even really seen him to his full potential. But with that said, he got some playing time and he got hurt again, but he had some playing time when Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were out and he had a touchdown and Jameis was looking at him. So now he gets a, a, almost a fresh start with a new quarterback and, and a new season. And we'll see if, if he gels uh, pretty good with Brady. So I think Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller for 2020 is a really interesting matchup to see. So I like- one, one question I did have for Matt following that, is yeah. um, so obviously Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, whoever wins the wide receiver three spot naturally goes to the wide receiver four. Do you think that Justin Watson's pretty much locked into that wide receiver five spot, or could he potentially maybe move up or maybe even get cut? Yeah, I wouldn't say he's locked into that fifth spot at all, really. I mean, I think another guy to keep your name on is is Brian Mitchell. Brian Mitchell, he um, he got hurt in the preseason game against the Steelers last year. So the first preseason game of the year, and he was done for the entire season. But even when he was out, I mean, he did a ton of rehab here. He was in the locker room all the time. Uh, He's pretty well liked by a lot of his teammates. And Bruce Arian said that he was a good player that was in the running and in the competition for one of those last wide receiver spots last training camp. So, now that he's fully healthy, I think that'll be a decent battle between him and Justin Watson for the fifth spot. And, you know, Justin Watson, his case was interesting because he's a solid special teams player. And we saw that, you know, he started taking the punt returns when everyone else was hurt at the end of the season. He has some really good practices, but then he wasn't able to translate it over into the game, but in the preseason, oh. really. He had some drops in the preseason. Uh, and you didn't really see it too much in the regular season either. So the biggest thing for Justin Watson is really going to take those good practices that he's had. And he's had some really good practices in training camp, but he's got to show it in the preseason games too. I don't think he's a lock by any means for the for the fifth receiver spot. And it's going to be – obviously special teams makes a big difference with this. So we'll see what Brian Mitchell can really do with special teams. And that will be something that I'm kind of uh, paying attention to a little more of this training camp as well. I am definitely excited for training camp to come back around. That is the highlight of what it's all there for, is watching those positional battles take place. The guys that aren't necessarily household names really you know, going out there and playing their asses off for a spot that just doesn't get all the glory in the world, but it's always very entertaining to watch. With that being said, I believe that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. First off, Matt, thank you so much for joining us, man. It has been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, let the people know where they can find you and some of the work that you do. Yeah, you could find my work on PeterReport.com, where I'm writing a lot of stories there as the Bucks beat writer. I'm also the uh, editor and producer extraordinaire, as my boss Mark Cook would like to say, <laughs> on the Bucks Peter Nation podcast. Uh, make sure you're following us at Peter Report on Twitter 
And my personal Twitter account is at Maddie4 underscore Matera. And thank you guys a lot for uh, having me on. It's been it's been great talking to you. Heck yeah, man. Always a good time talking Buccaneer football, especially this time of year when there is just not that much going on. It reminds us exactly why we're here and uh, what we've got to look forward to. So thank you for jumping on with us and giving us a great episode. You can follow the yeah, show. You can follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I promise I'll follow you back. And you can find my co-host Evan on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram at Bucks.Wave, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. And on Twitter at EvanNFL, where he tweets about the Sixers and other Philly teams that nobody really cares about. So... <laughs> How's the uh, how's the Instagram game going? By the way, while I ask, it's going good. I think twenty four point four k. I think right now we're so. getting there. By the still, way, still, still getting close to the twenty five k goal by uh, by the season. So you're gonna hit twenty five k before the end of the month. Don't even lie to yourself, <laughs> man. Really quickly, I did want to give a special shout out to our viewers on YouTube. Just yesterday, we hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, something we've been working for since we started the show and a huge milestone for us. So I wanted to say thank you to each and every one of you who have subscribed. And if you are watching right now and you have not subscribed, just go ahead and click that button. It's free. It doesn't cost you a damn thing. And make sure you hit the bell so you can be notified whenever we go live or upload a new episode just like this one. Another quick shout-out, our friends at Shooter and the Stash. I don't know if you guys saw it on Twitter, but uh, I was animated in a few different forms, which was pretty cool, so I promised him I'd give him a shout on our next show. Make sure you guys go check that out. They put out a ton of animations revolving around Tampa Bay as a whole, not even just Bucks football, but they've got plenty of that to tickle your fancy as well. Last but not least, we need to give a special shout-out to our sponsor, Pinecrest Printing and Signs. You are well aware by now, but the world is still a crazy place. Things are starting to reopen, which is looking good, but Pinecrest Printing and Signs in Brandon, Florida has been open for the entirety of everything that's been going on, and they are still open, helping you get the best out of your business and presentation. These guys handle everything. They do it for us as well. They do apparel, stickers, banners, metal signs, giant signs, vehicle wraps, business cards, anything and everything under the sun to make you look as professional as possible, RJ and his experienced staff are going to make it happen. They are located in the Brandon area and have been helping out the Tampa Bay business community since 2001. You can give them a call at 813-684-5444, or you can check out their website at pinecrestprintingandsigns.com. They might even hook you up if you let them know that you heard about them right here on the Cannon Fire Podcast. With that being said, I am Rhett Mustache Matthew signing off for Mr. Matt Matera and Evan Wanish. Thank you guys for listening to our show, and we'll catch you next time. Go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.